Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello and thanks for having me again. Welcome back. Today's topic, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the DC TV crossover event. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. And there might be some additional spoilers for the ongoing Arrowverse shows as well. Now we did Elseworlds last year. We did. So it's been a whole year and we did enjoy Elseworlds and it was teased right at the end, Crisis was coming. Mm -hmm. And now it's finally upon us and here it is, all five parts of it. Crisis on the Infinite Earths is the sixth annual Arrowverse crossover event featuring episodes of the TV series Supergirl, Batwoman, The Flash, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. In the US they air on DCW, here in Australia I believe Fox 8 on Foxtel. That's correct. The Supergirl, Batwoman and The Flash episodes aired in December 2019 while the Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow episodes aired in January 2020. Additionally, events in the Black Lightning episode, The Book of Resistance, Chapter 4, Earth Crisis, aired between Batwoman and The Flash. And a two-issue comic featuring characters and concepts unable to appear in the live-action episodes tie into the comic. They've gone all out. That's the most they've done with the crossovers, featuring five separate shows. But then you've also got, as I said there, Black Lightning. That was more of an add-on. Mm. The other episodes played actual parts in Crisis. We did get to see Chris Williams as Black Lightning in the crossover, but his episode, it was at like the last couple of moments, he disappeared. Yeah. It was still cool though. It was cool to see that. It was cool that they incorporated characters from other DC-based shows into this crossover, which we'll probably get to. We'll get to all of them, but it was yeah. especially nice having Black Lightning appear with yeah. him being an ongoing nice, CW show. Nice shout out. With the plot, I will go through, well, I guess the best way to tackle this would be show by show. Yeah. So part one of Crisis was Supergirl. And in that episode, the Monitor sends Harbinger to gather the world's greatest heroes, Supergirl, The Flash, Green Arrow, Batwoman, White Canary, The Atom and Superman in preparation for the impending crisis. With their worlds in imminent danger, the superheroes suit up for battle while Jean and Alex recruit Lena to help them find a way to save the people of Earth 38, mm -hmm. which is Supergirl's Earth. That's correct. We could talk about the numbers as we go through because each Earth has a designated number. Yeah. And I've got to be honest, as I was watching the show, I didn't understand the reason for all the numbers. Some of them are obvious. Like you've got Earth 89, which mm. is the Tim Burton Batman universe. Which I thought was awesome. You've got The Flash, Earth 90. It's the yep. 90s TV series. Yep. But some of them, I didn't quite know where the numbers came from mm. until I did research. I mean, Supergirl, Earth 38. Well, Superman was created in 1938. So there's little kind of sort of tips of the cap there or Easter eggs for hardcore comic book fans to really kind of delve into. This episode, we're introduced to most of the characters that we'll see throughout the whole crossover. I'm talking Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen Green Arrow, Katie Lotz as Sarah Lance White Canary, Brandon Routh as Ray Palmer the Atom, Tom Kavanagh as Pariah, Catherine McNamara as Mia Smoke, Tyler Hecklin as Clark Kent Superman, Elizabeth Tulloch as 
Lois Lane, Ruby Rose, Kate Kane, Batwoman, and Grant Gustin, Barry Allen, The Flash. Mm -hmm. So they're your main players. But there is so many, there's so many other people in this episode. So I mean, many sort of ancillary parts and cameos that pop up. Well, do you want to talk about the cameos? Yeah, let's do it. The first cameo, can you remember who we saw first? Wasn't it uh, Dean Kane? Dean no, Kane. Dean Kane. What am I he thinking? does not. Honestly, I, I spent the whole of Crisis waiting for, for Dean, Dean Kane to no. once again play Superman. It was, Did not happen. It was uh, the other Superman, Tom Welling. Okay, we got Robert Wall as Alexander Knox. He's sat on the bench. He's got the newspaper. There's the red skies in Gotham. The bat signal. And that was pretty much it. Like, you've, yeah. you've got him sitting up there. He's like, I hope you... He, I, I, was hoping, I was really hoping for speaking lines from him, like dialogue or something, but no, that was it. Yeah, he's like, I hope you're seeing this big blink guy. And, blink and you miss it. Yeah, it, it was yeah. limited, but he did have dialogue. Like, I hope you're watching Big Guy. It's a reference to, to Batman. Like, yeah. I hope you're seeing this because we need your help. Yeah. Can you remember seeing that prop that circulated online, a picture of a Gotham newspaper, and it had Bruce Wayne... To marry yes. Selena Kyle. Yes, I do remember that. That was cool. Not used in the episode. Instead, we got Jerry Conway art of Batman, which was taken from the movie comic book adaption from 89. Right. So I, many Easter eggs in I there. I actually have that adaptation as well. I've got it as well. Yeah, I recently, it's in my collection. I bought the deluxe hardcover. They're always reprinting these books. Nice. And, and I got the latest one. Another nice. cameo then. We go to Earth 66, Burt Ward. Is Dick Grayson. Yes. It was cool. And I think if you've not seen Burt Ward, if you've not seen Burt Ward for a while, you might not know it's him. No. Until he speaks. Still got it. Still got it. Did you watch those animated movies to put out recently? There was Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders and a Two-Face one with William Shatner playing Two-Face. That's right, yeah. Oh, man, they are fantastic. They were cool. really good. And Burt Ward was back for that. So That's vocally... Awesome. Good to see Still him. got it. Yeah, he good sounds to see him come same. back to the fall. Doesn't look the same. Sounds the same. Yeah. But it has been confirmed that he is Dick Grayson and potentially walking Ace the Bat-Hound. That's pretty cool. The other cameo I think we should touch on, uh, it's not a very big one, but for comic book buffs, they'll pick it straight away, uh, was uh, Marv Wolfman. So he was in the Legends episode, part five. Yeah. Playing himself. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. I mean, Ask not an actor, no. but it was great to see him. It was great to see him. He was basically asking for an autograph. And from, he's been a fan of both The Flash and Supergirl for a long time. Yeah, they're standing there, and he's on like a jetty or a wharf, and he just asks for an autograph, and he says, can you make it out to Marv? You know, I read an interview with him, and he was saying that they did try and get George Perez, the original artist from Crisis, yeah. to also be in the episode, he was but he was tied up with yeah. other... But they do comments. reference him. He's, he's name-checked. Which, which was cool. Not necessarily, to my knowledge, a DC actor, but Griffin Newman plays the trivia host in the club where Sarah and the Atom are hanging out at the beginning. Okay. If we're looking for a superhero connection, he played Arthur in the recent Amazon Tick TV series. Right, okay, well, there you go. We get a special appearance by Will Wheaton as a doomsday protester. Yes, he's basically I saying, knew he looked familiar. And he's saying, Supergirl can't save us, she can't save us, and of course, she saved him. I knew he looked familiar. I was like, I know that face. So we're introduced to so much. We've got the monitor here. You know, we first saw him in Elseworlds and it's the start of all the heroes coming together. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that first episode. But with every episode, honestly, 
I was just waiting for Dean Kane. Yeah, waiting, I'm still. Well, I'm clearly still waiting, still waiting because for Dean Kane. it never, it never happened. Never eventuated. Also in that episode, we did get Erica Durant as Alora Zorel. Nice. Interesting twist in the episode is she stayed on Argo, unfortunately died, which obviously had a big impact on Kara Zorel, Supergirl. Mm. But we find that at the end of Elseworlds, Superman and Lois leave because she's pregnant. We're introduced to baby Jonathan. Mm. Love that they've used the name John Kent. Just That's like cool. in the current comics, he's yep. Superboy. That's awesome. But what an interesting thing to happen where Argo is about to be destroyed. So you've got Superman and Lois putting their baby, their Kryptonian baby, in a rocket ship, just like... Yeah, I thought that was a really nice... Escaping kind of, Krypton. thought that was a cool callback. But in the Crisis story, I believe Earth 3 was Alexander Luther, where he was a good guy. Yep. And that's what happens in the comics. They've changed it up slightly, and it's baby Jonathan getting sent away instead. Mm-hmm. But where does he land? He lands on a different Earth in the future with the older Oliver Queen, who we were first introduced to in the first season of Legends of Tomorrow. Mm, Only right. there he had one arm. Here he's got the robotic arm. Very cool. A lot of good things happening in that first episode. There's so much to talk about. And we'll try and get through all of it, but you're right, there is a lot yeah. to talk about. Part two of the crossover was on Batwoman. I've got to say, right. I have been watching Batwoman. Have you stuck with it? Yeah, I have. I'm I'm really behind, though, but I've, I've stuck with it. I've got to be honest, more often than not, I do find it a struggle. Yeah, and that's but probably her, why I'm behind. Her appearance in this, I don't know if it's because she's lifting a game because she's going toe-to-toe with the other DC heroes. But I think we're getting the best Batwoman in this. And in fact, before seeing Ruby Rose here, the best Batwoman was in the Elseworlds crossover. That's right. Did have me excited for her own show. Yeah. But then her own show is a prequel to Elseworlds. That's true. It's the origin of her becoming Batwoman. How did she become Batwoman? Yeah. But my main thing, my main gripe with Batwoman as a show, and I've got to be honest, it has improved since Crisis, that the recent episodes are better. Mm. And the fact that it very much references that there has been a crisis. So although the crossover has finished, the shows are still acknowledging that something happened. And there's been some changes for the better in the Batwoman show. It's not the strongest show in the DC, DC slash CW stable. But, you know, if you stick with it, I guess you're rewarded. The main thing that I'm not enjoying, or what I haven't been enjoying, it's too repetitive. Mm. Alice is a problem. Capture Alice, Alice escapes. Yeah. Tracks down a henchman. Catch Alice, Alice escapes. Yeah, and it just seems to be too repetitious. Very, very repetitious. Not enough variety there, but we digress. But again, since Crisis, we've got a good Batwoman here. And we look to be getting a better Batwoman in the series. Yeah, she's definitely bringing her A-game, like you say. I mean, out of the gate, we're talking about Batwoman already. Kevin Conroy. Oh, yeah, that was cool. As Bruce Wayne. That was really cool to see him in the flesh. The voice of Batman animated for decades. uh, And now he is live action as Bruce Wayne in the show. 
I thought that was really awesome. It's incredible. And he... Oh, man. It's, it's the voice. It's it's amazing. That is such a phenomenal voice. And we've heard him since 92. Yeah. As Bruce Wayne Batman. But now it's the first time action. seeing him. And he was fantastic. He's wearing the full, like, metal brace. Yeah. That he wore in the Kingdom Come comic back in, what was that, 96? Mark Wade, Alex Ross. Yep. Loved that. That was just fantastic. That was awesome. His Earth... This is one that I had to look up because I didn't quite get it. And then when I looked it up, oh, that makes perfect sense. He's from Earth 99. I'm like, huh, why 99? Looking into it, it's a reference to Batman Beyond. It's the year that show premiered. That's pretty awesome. And of course, Conroy was an older Bruce Wayne in that show. Do they even reference Terry McGinnis? They don't know because he's not playing that Bruce Wayne. But that was just a nod to it. Right. You know, and apparently, so, I didn't see it, but in his, in his Batcave, they've got the Batmobile from the 89 Tim Burton movie. That's cool. There is so many Easter eggs, and I tried to look out for all of them, but so many were, were just missed. There's things like that that sometimes escape here. Like, I, I actually missed that detail when I was watching it. Just, and I don't know why I missed it. I couldn't tell you why, but this, the little things like every now and then like, like that will sort of evade your your gaze like you're just you're not concentrating on it there's so much to take in and sometimes there are little things that will just pass you by that's one of the little details that escaped me and with the arrowverse what's been known for such a long time it's a show made by fans for fans yeah and and the crisis crossover more than any other there is so much fan service in here yeah absolutely tom welling returning as clark kent had me very excited oh bet it did i oh Smallville, I watched it like the week that each episode came out, I'd watch it for 10 years. Yeah. I was so excited when that show, or was it 2001, I believe, when it first aired. I've been such a big fan of Smallville, and the idea of him coming back was just blowing my mind. Yeah. But just like in Smallville, I mean, kind of at the end, in the last 10 minutes, he became Superman. But he didn't actually fully put on the suit. Yeah. And I thought... Well, that was a massive tease. This was going to be it. Yeah. He was going to suit up. And when you find that not only does he not suit up, he's no longer got powers. Mm. And at first, I didn't... I wasn't quite sure how I felt about that. But having daughters myself and having saying that he gave up his powers because he now has something that means so much more to him, yeah. something better than powers... And he's it's, it's having two girls of his own. Yeah. He's with Lois. They're living on the Kent farm. That's right. It's a slight rewrite because the farm did get sold towards the end of Smallville. Yeah. But that's, but that's like, fine. That's you, semantics. You can, bring the farm, you can bring the farm back. Yeah. I'm really happy that they did that. Would you say, would you say is it fair to say that, that was the highlight of the crisis for you? Um, no. no. One of, it, it was a big highlight. But I've always liked the fact that Tom Welling as Clark Kent is different than any other Clark Kent that we've had. So when he's depowered, he's on the Kent farm, we get John Cryer as Lex Luthor in this episode. And honestly, when he was first cast, I was alarmed. But I've since come to really enjoy his Lex Luthor. I'm still on the fence about his Lex. I um, just don't think he conveys the intelligence and the cunning of Lex. I mean, I I get it from him. And I think he's he's just evil. Like He really plays him like he's he's like an evil... Super criminal businessman. So I am liking Cryer's Lex Luthor. But when he realizes what's going on with Clark, and Clark turns his back on him 
and Lex goes to like goes to attack him, mm. and then Clark just turns around, punches him, and knocks him to the ground. I'm like, yes, that's what this Clark Kent would do. He's very yeah. different to the other Clark Kents. Yeah. So even though they didn't have him powered, they were able to convey this is the Smallville Superman. I feel like like um, Welling's Clark Kent. I could be wrong here. I could be way off, but this is just what I'm getting from it. He's a little surly. He's a little kind of um, he's a little bit sort of um. You know, he's not the bumbling, goofy, silly no, orchid clock. No. He's a little bit more surly, a little bit more kind of, um, um, almost sort of, um, he's got gravitas to him, you know? Cast your mind back to the pilot, and mm. they showed us a bumbling Clark Kent, but it yeah. was just a bit of a tease, because you're right, that's not who he was in the show. And the way they were able to give that to us, Lana's parents in the show died in the meteor strike that yeah. brought Clark to Earth in the first place, and she wore a piece of kryptonite, on the necklace. Mm. So whenever he would get close to Lana, he would get all clumsy because he'd feel weak. Yeah. And that was their way of explaining ah. and temporarily giving us a bumbling Clark Kent. So eventually she does ditch the kryptonite necklace. Yeah. Honestly, I, I could just sit and talk about Smallville for the rest of the podcast. I know you could. Big, big fan of Smallville. You asked was Smallville the thing that I was most looking forward to. This next thing is what I was most looking forward to. Yep. We've had Brandon Routh in part one already as Ray Palmer the Atom, but in this episode, we get him as Superman. He reprises his role from Superman Returns. He does, and it's fantastic. And it wasn't confirmed until later on that, yes, he is actually Superman from that movie. Because at first I thought, oh, we're getting Kingdom Come Superman, just like we talked about before with Kevin Conroy. Mm. They have used that costume where he's got the black and red S. Yep. But you're right, he is the Superman from the Superman Returns movie. Mm. And when we see there's the article, like the front page of the the article that's outlining that Joker left Gotham for Metropolis to make a name for himself and put his stamp on the city. And Joker, in crisis, killed Lois Lane, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, everyone at the planet. And that's on the newspaper that's mounted on the wall. And Superman's talking about how he suffered great loss. Mm. So Kate Bosworth, Lois Lane, she's gone. I wonder which iteration of the Joker it is. Though. Would it, would it, if, if we're talking like you know, canon, are we, are, we, are we saying that it's it's Nicholson's Joker from the, not, no, 89? Because that's 89. That would be Alexander Knox at the beginning of the movie. Mm. That's his Joker. Yeah. Joker and Superman Returns never existed because mm. it was just that one movie. It wasn't a shared universe. Yeah. But what they're saying is that Joker killed Lois Lane, similar to Injustice. Right. In the, I mean, they did it a different way in the Tom Taylor comic. Mm. Mm. But Joker was responsible for Lois's death there, just like he is here. Yeah. And linking it to Superman Returns, there's a line of dialogue where Superman says that young Jonathan reminds him of his son Jason. Oh. And Jason only exists in the Superman gotcha. Returns movie. But I mentioned that the front page of that newspaper, and when it's got the Daily Planet and the green gas, yep. that is an illustration by Alex Ross. Nice. Honestly, so many Easter yeah. eggs in, in cool. this crossover. But what a phenomenal performance. Brandon Routh, he got one go at Superman back in 2006. He's back here, and he looks amazing. And he even references, the because he turns evil. It's going to happen. You That's have two right. Supermen, just like in Elseworlds. Superman versus Superman. You have black costume Superman, who is the bad guy, and then Tyler Hecklin playing the, you know, the, the Superman. Yep. 
they fought there and this time he's fighting a different Superman but when Brandon Ralph Superman comes back around again is clear-headed he makes reference to that this isn't the first time that he's fought an evil That's doppelganger right. referencing the junkyard scene Superman 3 yeah but if you cast your mind back to Superman Returns that is a sequel to Superman the movie and Superman 2 it doesn't yep. acknowledge Superman 3 but anyway so it's, the, pretty, it's pretty tangled kind they're of... playing free and loose with everything here what else do we have oh we get a it's just a voice but Wentworth Miller voices Leonard AI Snark. Captain Cold is kind of here mm. he's the AI on the ship it's a different earth where legends are no longer active and Heatwave is living on the ship yep so Mick Rory taking part in the big crossover isn't the one from the Legends TV series. He's a different one. Oh, okay. one more thing on... Yeah, that, that confused me because I have not watched Legends for a while. I mean, Legends, I watch it week to week. It's confusing in itself. In a good way. It's, it's a fun show. Brandon Routh, his, his Earth... Oh, I, I did have it. I've, I did have it in my notes originally. Oh, that's right. He's from Earth 96. Confuse me. I mean, if anything, like 06, but then that's like Earth 6 mm. because that's the year Superman Returns came out. 96 was the year that the Kingdom Come comic came out. Yes. So that's how they tied in that year. So again, like, I'm always on the lookout. What do these numbers mean? So you did some research. Constantine, Matt Ryan. I mean, yes. I can't imagine anybody else playing Constantine. He's just nailed it. Nailed it, Absolutely. This is what we were talking about earlier on with all these, all these ancillary characters coming in. Should we mention Lucifer? Lucifer, he shows up in the third episode. Yeah. So we could talk about the Flash episode to part three. Constantine is still in that episode. And then, yet yeah, very briefly, we see Tom Ellis as Lucifer Morningstar. Another cameo. And where this fits in the timeline, if you do watch the Lucifer show, originally on Fox, now a Netflix original series, I think for seasons four and five. Yeah. This crossover takes place before season one. Right. And they make reference to the fact that John helped Lucifer rescue. I'm blanking on her name. You watch Lucifer. I did. Was it Chloe? No, he's demon sidekick. Ah. I'm blanking on her name. Mazakine. That's Mazakine. Yeah, because I watched seasons one through three on Foxtel before before they pulled it. I'm currently watching season three. It's on Netflix. I missed the end of season three. I'm struggling with season three. Quick sidebar. I'm really struggling. And there's 26 episodes in that season. But I have heard that the the shorter season four that Netflix put out is better. Mm. So I'm I'm working my way through season three. And this is all on the back of his appearance in Crisis because I'd written off that show many times before. Yeah. But I'm going back. Yeah. Yeah, i got issues with Lucifer, but yeah, that's for another time. Good show, though. When it wraps, we'll do a Lucifer episode. From the sounds of it, we're both watching it. Yeah. So we can come back and do Absolutely. a full we'll episode. One to get to in the future. It's just occurred to me, I did not do the the breakdown synopsis of the Batwoman episode. Do you want me to do that, or should we go straight on to the third? Uh, well, I think we'll probably just go to the third. Okay, so the Flash episode, Pariah enlists Black Lightning to help stop the Anti-Monitor after Flash 90 shares what he learned from his battle in Elseworlds. With the help of Black Lightning, Barry, Cisco, and Killer Frost come up with a plan that could save them all. Meanwhile, Iris has a heart-to-heart with Ryan Chow, 
while Oliver and Diggle return to old familiar stomping ground. So they go back to Lee and you, which was Purgatory in the Arrow series. That's where we first the island we introduced yes. to Oliver in that pilot episode. This is where we bump into and meet the Spectre. Well, the first of the Spectres. So we get Jim Corrigan, and then later we get. Oliver Queen Spectre, yep. which is not the same but similar to the comics. For a time, Hal Jordan, also has green in his name, was the Spectre. Cool, to, now, see, cool to see that the Spectre gets included. Yeah, I was surprised that that's where, where they were going to go. I mean, I remember Jim Corrigan was a character in the short-lived Constantine, uh, in the Constantine TV series where we were first introduced to Matt Ryan in the role. Yeah, But with that show getting cancelled, it never really... Went anywhere. But yeah, so we get another Spectre here, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Interesting that Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, becomes a Spectre in the end. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. Mm. I am okay with it. And I'm still coming to grips with the end of Arrow. Only, was it last night or the night before that I watched? Oh, no, it was the night before. So two nights ago, I watched the season eight finale. So Arrow, for me, is over. It's done. It has wrapped. Yeah. Those characters, or some of them, we will still see in other shows. Like the mm-hmm. next episode of The Flash, guest stars David Ramsey as John Diggle. There's, so we're getting more of him. Yeah, well, there's pretty big spoilers to come about him. Don't know if we should mention them here, though. Oh, we can... I mean, I did say in the opening that we might have some spoilers. But we'll just say it here. It's about the potential future for John Diggle. That when we last see him in Arrow, mm-hmm. there's... A crash, an alien ship, mm-hmm. he holds up a box, he opens it, and there's a green light. Mm. So that's saying, hey, listen, the Arrowverse, this is your Green Lantern. Yep. John Stewart, but there's a previous episode where we're introduced to Diggle's stepfather, played by Ernie Hudson, mm. whose surname is Stewart. So there you go. So there you go, yep, exactly. So they teased it for a long time, like we'd, we'd been to... Various airbase in a previous season of Arrow yeah. mentioned. It was only a matter of time. Green, Green Lantern has to join the DCU, so it's only a matter of time. So we just have to wait and see. When Flash returns, I believe it's in a couple of weeks, yep. John Diggle could very well be appearing as Green Lantern. That we just be, don't know. That could be awesome. Something to look forward to. Just have to wait and see. I mean, the regulars are popping up in this episode pretty much throughout all five parts, mm-hmm. so we don't need to reel them off again. Guest starring, we get Ashley Scott as Helena Kyle Huntress. Yes, that's right. That was pretty cool. The opening, This Is Earth 203. Yep. I believe her show aired in 2003. So there you go. And we, we have previously covered her show. We have, yeah. We did the whole season. As well as Scott, though, Dinah Meyer as a voice cameo as Oracle. Nice. Which I thought was very cool. That's pretty awesome. The big one in this episode, though, John Wesley Ship, Barry Allen, The Flash. This is the 90s Flash, and he's back. Yeah. We saw him in Elseworlds, and he was fantastic. And then the monitor just waved him away. And it was like, oh, no. But it turns out. That can't be it. We turns out he's on the, the treadmill. He's on the cosmic treadmill, and the monitor's been using him. Using him to power... The big bad or the big thing that's happening and, and he can't stop running, otherwise something bad will happen. Now, Crisis was first teased in the Flash pilot. Mm. It's been there from the very beginning. Which is and pretty it's surreal. Said, yeah, I mean, oh man, they put so much work into planning out 
the older series, but it's always been known that the Flash disappears in the crisis. Yeah. And you kind of think, well, Grant's not going anywhere because his show's just been renewed for another year. Yeah. He's going to be okay. But I generally did not see it coming where mm-hmm. Barry Allen from Earth-90, he's, he sacrifices himself. Yeah. And he's like, a Flash needs to sacrifice himself or be perished along with the crisis. Flash. But yeah. which one? That's it. And he uses a, an ability that our Flash doesn't have. Mm. He can steal speed from other speedsters. Mm. Because he's older, he wouldn't need to run as fast as he needs to go for this plan to work. And being older, he has wisdom and knowledge. And he steals some speed from Barry, leaving him depowered, or from Barry, from Grant Gustin. And he sacrificed himself and he disappears. And it was beautiful. You know, originally, they weren't going to be showing a clip from the original show. Mm. But they do. And that was just that was magical. Awesome. I used to watch that show. And it's it's still a show that I like to go back and, and revisit. But what they had to do, I listened to an interview with Ship, and he was saying that he had to redo his dialogue in that original footage. Wow. Because his voice, as he's older, is higher. So he went and, and re-recorded all his and lines. And the lines. But it, it just really made that scene. Like, if he would have sacrificed himself and the visuals from disappearing, so reminiscent of the comic. Yeah, absolutely. It would have still been effective, but showing that footage from... Oh, it was just perfect. It was. Uh, they nailed that really well. That was one thing that really stuck out for me, too. Oh, and you mentioned Jim Corrigan, the Spectre, Stephen mm. Lobo. I believe he was an actor that was on Supernatural. Mm. For a while, he's in there. We're introduced, was it this episode or part two? Introduced to Ryan Chow, mm-hmm. played by Osric Chu. He was good. Mm-hmm. He was like very much the regular man on the team. We know from the comics that he takes over as the Atom. Mm-hmm. We don't get that here, mm-hmm. but it's still cool to have another character Reference. from the comics playing a part in this. You've got to tip the hat to the, to the fact that they really pay service to the comics and they really pay homage to the source material in the comics. I mean, it's there, isn't it? Like, this, mm. there's such a wealth of good storytelling yeah. and characters in the comics. Absolutely. You just have to tip the cap. And, mm. like, if you're writing an original TV show and you're having to build this world and come up with all these, char- all these characters all to keep people you. engaged, it's there. It's there. you just got to just mine the content. The Arrow episode... I'd like to say it had the biggest surprise for me, but unfortunately it didn't because it got spoiled online. Before yeah. I get to that, just a brief rundown of what we get in the episode. Mm-hmm. Stuck in the vanishing point, the Paragons search for a way to escape. We've not touched on that yet. Paragons is the name given to the people that were chosen. To represent certain values or certain, flash, certain characteristics. Yeah, like the Flash. That's courage. Mean, the Paragon of Love. Or, yeah, hope. They've all got... A, yeah, I think Supergirl is hope. love and a couple others. Basically just tenants or ideals that are, that are supposed to, you know, imbue the human spirit. I should have noted spirit. down who the Paragons were or at least what yeah. they meant. But I think, yeah, that's that's good Cat, enough. Well, I mean, Batwoman, Batwoman was courage. That's right. And originally, like, she was led to believe that it was Conroy's Bruce Wayne, but it mm. wasn't. It was always her, but she had to her. have a certain realisation to recognise or to find the courage yeah. that she needs. So yeah, they're basically basically touchstones or tenants, if you will, on different characteristics of human strength or or human um you know um 
the best part of being a human. That's right. Uh, the, back to the episode, the futility of the situation is compounded by the Flash's disappearance. However, Hope appears in the form of Oliver, who reveals that he has become something else. Meanwhile, the origin stories for the Monitor and Anti-Monitor are revealed. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So I think we, we are up to speed. So yeah, Flash did disappear. And this is when we come back from the hiatus. So now we're in January and we're get, finally getting part four. We had to wait, it felt, for such a long time. But then what the show did is time passed for the characters in the show in real time, oh. which was pretty cool. So we're waiting on hiatus for it to return and the heroes are stuck at vanishing point. That's right. So I do like that they were waiting in real time. Yeah. And the Flash is repeatedly trying to escape, trying to escape. And eventually, as I said there, Oliver is the one that rescues them. But I like what they're saying there is that it had to become something else. That's, That's cool. always been Oliver Queen's thing. Something else originally was the Green Arrow. Now that something else is the Spectre. Spectre. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's a natural trans trans transition. The big cameo, I alluded to it earlier, did get spoiled for me. Ezra Miller, Barry Allen, who you would know from the DC Extended Universe. That was such a bizarre cameo, wasn't it? Did you know it was going to happen? I do remember hearing about it, yes. I do recall hearing about it. But I, I, it kind of slipped my mind. And then when I watched it, I was like, oh, holy shit, that's right. I've got to be honest. I've not been the biggest fan of Miller's interpretation Ditto. of the I'm, Flash. I'm with you there. I'm with you. Seeing him on the small screen, I mean, it just... It's, Jarring. It's incredible. If you take away the fact that it's his character, just any character from the movies, very much an ongoing continuity, one of those characters appearing here mm. was pretty cool. But interestingly, he'd not been going by the Flash. Mm. What's the Flash? Mm. When oh, it was, it was, I think, maybe slightly, it's endeared me more towards what Ezra Miller is doing as the Flash. But what earth does ezra miller's flash represent it's the dc eu yeah there's no designated number so that's i guess the designation it's uh, like an eponymous it's an eponymous earth that doesn't have a number assigned to it i'd say not no. i mean for the longest time they referred to it as the dc eu so i guess they're sticking with that so because he comes to the flash or the flash goes to, he does doesn't he? he comes to the flash yeah so he's in the arrowverse so normally when they go somewhere, the title card come up with a designated number. Mm. But maybe that's why they didn't show anything. Because mm, it doesn't have a designated number. But that, that, that to me is an interesting... Yeah, it was. Yeah. And they're checking out each other's costumes. And I've got to be, oh, let's talk costumes. Yeah. I mean, they're doing whatever they're doing where it, it looks almost like... It looks like something out of the Power Rangers movie where it's yeah. plastic. That's what they're doing for Ezra Miller. Yeah. Grant Gustin's Flash costume... I would it's more say fabric based. It is, but this is his best costume by far. Yeah. Throughout the whole series. Yeah, I agree. It's it's like a breathable mesh kind of fabric. And they're finally giving him the wings. Yeah. For the longest time he's just had like he doubled up or tripled up on flash logos mm. on his ears. Now he's got the wings. And I know they've always said that it's his comms and that's fine. But mm. yes. He's got the classic flash wings, mm. and they look great. Yeah, and you don't really—that's not immediately apparent too. You, you, you only just—you only just notice it. You're like, oh shit, he's got the wings. I can't believe we've talked this long without mentioning that Supergirl's now got pants. <laughs> that's right. I remember when they first put out the promo shot of the suit. I thought, ah, oh, I quite like it. I quite like it, and I'm perfectly fine with wearing pants. But I'm such a big fan 
of the classic Supergirl design. Yeah, with the but short skirt. Not it doesn't have to be short, but wearing wearing a skirt. A skirt. But it's the added details that they've put on it, like the little gold plate thing, like mm. a, a, like around a neckline. It's like with Heckland's Superman costume. It's overly complicated. There's yeah. too many details on it. I'd like to see some more reference to Man of Steel era Superman. I'd like to see more reference to that. those costumes. They were brilliant. Yeah, I mean, having Miller represents all of that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But, I, I mean, if we, if, yeah. we got, if we got a... I mean, if we got a Superman or a Supergirl in this show that had the same kind of attention to detail in the, as, in the costume as Man of Steel did for uh, Henry Cavill, it would just be fantastic. For me, my favourite on-screen Superman suit is now the Kingdom Come suit that mm. Brandon Ralph wears here. Because you look at the Heckland suit, it's like, okay, I get it, they're putting it together on a TV budget. But then you're like, well, hang on. They're also using a TV budget to put Ralph's suit together. So why can't they? And it they... looks so much better. Yeah, I'm why can't they just up the ante? When they come around, when we get the Superman and Lois spin-off show, I'm hoping they do a redesign on Heckland's suit. Yeah, you wonder and, where they allocate their budget. And I do like <laughs> him as well. I do like him as Superman. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more. Mm. Uh, we're getting to Legends, which is part five. Mm. And I'll just mention quickly, after everything happens, you've got Superman flying and Lois calls him home. The boys. Mm. Well, Jonathan's one boy. And there's a question mark around who that second boy is. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're going to get in the Superman and Lois show. Do you know who I think it is? Who? Damian Wayne. Wow. There's been rumours that Robin and Superboy will be in the show. Maybe something's going to happen and they're going to age them up. I don't know. It'll be like that comic where like uh, soups and bats hang out with their sons. Yeah, and the ongoing Super Sons. Oh, no, that's finished. That's recently wrapped, hasn't it? But in the comics, you do have the friendship between Damian Wayne Robin and John Ken that's right. Superboy. And so maybe they're playing up on that. I think they could. And especially if Bruce Wayne, we still don't know why he's gone. Who would you cast as Damian Wayne? Well, it depends what age they're doing. So I don't really know. And it's mm. just going to be someone that's appeared on Supernatural or another CW show. Yeah. That's usually what they do with just these shows. Just ship him in. Well, yeah. that's interesting, though. Like, that is, that is I like the big question mark because yeah, we good... don't know what we're going to get with that Superman TV series, but we know that there's more than one kid. It's a good talking point. Looking forward to it. There's not a lot to say, synopsis-wise, with Crisis uh, Part 5, because the show pretty much wraps in four parts. Yeah. And it's almost like a 40-minute epilogue yeah. with legends. In this... That's kind of Final like part. It's, it's like packing it up. It is. It's wrapping everything up. Mm. Worlds lived, worlds died. Nothing will ever be the same. And you know what? That is so true. Mm -hmm. Because things did get changed. We touched on it earlier. How yep. there's still ramifications in the ongoing series after Crisis. Yep. And certain characters are exiting their roles or finishing their time on those shows. Certain actors, I should say. Uh, there you go. We still don't know what's going to happen with Green Arrow and the Black Canaries. That was the Arrow spin-off. Mm. I've watched the backdoor pilot. It's pretty decent. They left it on a cliffhanger because I guess they want people wanting more. But it was odd how they finished Arrow because I think episode eight was Crisis, mm. part four. Episode nine was the backdoor pilot for the Canary show. And then episode 10 is kind of like your 
epilogue of the last eight years of storytelling. So it was only ten episodes, season eight. Well, I mean, what, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do going forward with Green Arrow because if it's true that Stephen Amell has exited the show or exited his character, then how are they going to bring Green Arrow back for the the spin-off show with Canary? Wow, you've not been watching Arrow. No. I've, no, in the crossover, it's explained. You're no. introduced to Mia Smoke. Right, okay. So she's Green Arrow. Yes. Okay. But she was Green Arrow in the crossover. Right. So that's who Green Arrow is. So okay. we don't need Stephen Amell because he was already replaced. Yeah. And in season eight in the Crisis crossover, he's training her to be gotcha. Green Arrow. And he presents her with a new costume. Gotcha. Which she then wears again okay. in the back yeah, of the I'm, I'm a little out of the loop with Arrow. It's not one of the ones I kept up well, on. Well, I know, but we're just talking about her appearance yeah. in Crisis. So yeah. she's Green Arrow, and then you've got the two Black Canaries. That's right. That's the team okay. in the show they're looking to mm, launch moving forward. Yeah, I don't know about that. And it's not present day. It's mm. set in the year 2040, so 20 okay. years from now. Okay. Legends, then. At the end of part five... White Canary, The Flash, Supergirl, Superman, Martian Manhunter, and Black Lightning convened at the Old Star Labs hangar, well, I guess also known as the Hall of Justice. Yep. We first saw that in the Invasion crossover from a couple of years ago. It's now being transformed into a superhero hangout spot with the JLA-style conference table in case they ever need awesome. to team up again. And it was amazing. Two things that were cool about that episode is seeing the conference table and seeing the Hall of Justice. Oh, it was amazing. Seeing those two things was so rad. And then Black Lightning's like, cause it's his first crossover, and yeah. it's like, surely we don't need to meet this often. I mean, this kind of thing doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, yeah, it does. Usually once a year. Yeah, <laughs> we all have to get together. I, so, immediately, yeah. immediately when I saw the Hall of Justice, the exterior shot, first thing I thought of, Scott Snyder, because he's used that extensive, right, yeah. extensively in the current comic book. But run. before he did that, though, again, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. before his run on Justice League, the Invasion crossover first introduced the Hall of Justice there. Mm. So we'd seen it previously, but you're right, it is cool that Snyder Yeah, that's what, I, that. that's what I thought of as soon as I saw that. I was like, yeah, Snyder. Oh, Gleek. We Gleek. get a cameo yes. from Gleek. They tease him at the very end of it. The Wonder five. Twins... Pet alien monkey from the Super Friends was TV on, show. Was under lock and key, but escapes his cage. And when they're talking about Gleek, and you're seeing his name on the cage, mm. they're playing the Super Friends theme. Insane. That is pretty cool. It's incredible. Oh, and the music, top to bottom, in this show is absolutely phenomenal. Do you know what I would have loved to have seen? I would have loved to have seen the Legion of Doom headquarters. I, I mean, don't rule it out. I reckon... We're going to get there. That's going to be sick. John Cryer is sticking around as Lex. Lex Luthor. Originally, I think it was just like three parts. That was his contract yeah. with Supergirl. Can you imagine? It's obviously become more than that. Can you imagine if he teams with, like, with Grodd, with Reverse Flash, with... Um, oh, it would be know, incredible. With, um, yeah, with, with, with just the who's who of villains on that show. And they get the Legion of Doom base... That Darth Vader looking thing. Yeah, I love it. The In the swamp. Yes. <laughs> it's so Can you cool. imagine how cool that would be? The music, once again, Blake Neely, he's been with Arrow from the beginning. Yeah. And then he's worked on all the shows, Actually, Flash, Supergirl, right. Legends. The the music in this did have quite an emotional beat to it. Incredible. That like uh there was it was almost scored. It was almost like an orchestra score. Batman eighty nine, you got the Danny Elfman Batman theme. They reprised the theme. Brandon Routh as Superman, you got the John Williams theme. Yep. Burt Ward, you got the Batman 66 theme. So they were able to play the relevant themes 
with the cameos, which I, I thought was fantastic. I wonder how they went about securing that contractually. Or... No idea. I mean, it's all Warner Brothers. It's all yeah, DC. Yeah, so you, but... you think they would, wouldn't have any like trademark infringement or, or issues like that because it's all in-house under Warners. I mean, the Smallville finale featured the John Williams Superman thing. That's cool. Yeah, you're right. The music was top shelf. It was, oh, it was... It was, it was just incredible. exactly what it needed to be. It yeah. was incredible. But where the crossover ends is interesting because the surviving characters or the surviving people believe that the multiverse is no more and that there's a single Earth. And that's a story thread that is Earth ongoing Prime. in the series. Yeah, it's Earth they Prime. Earth Prime. That, that is it. But we know that's not the case. Mm. So I like that for... The CW DC heroes, as far as they're concerned, they're the only surviving characters. I keep saying characters. The only surviving people mm. in the whole universe. Yeah, like a shared universe. But the multiverse was reborn following the dawn of time battle. And from that, we got to see so much. I thought they'd done with the cameos. We'd had them. We'd enjoyed them. But we got more. We got Earth 2, home of Stargirl, which is the forthcoming superhero show that will air on both DC Universe and the CW in the US. I mentioned Fox A in Australia. I'm assuming that's where we're going to get it. Yep. That show is executive produced by Greg Berlanti there you go. and showrunner Jeff Johns. Johns created the character, I think, based on his sister. And then Berlanti, I can't believe we've gone this long without mentioning him. He's responsible for all of this. Everything. It was him that had the idea to put Green Arrow on TV. Yep. He tried previously with the Green Lantern movie from 2011. Mm -hmm. Mark Guggenheim, That's right. big part of Arrow, was involved as well. Guggenheim. Yeah. There was another name, uh, but I think he ran into trouble. He was what, another showrunner. But he right, was, okay. I forget, forget his name, but he um, had to exit the show because he got into a whole bunch of you know, legal trouble and stuff. Okay, it's probably good that you can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, so we're not yeah. saying anything out of turn. Yeah. Uh, the Stargirl show, we have Breck Bassinger as the hero and Luke Wilson as a sidekick in nice. a giant robot suit. Nice. So we knew that show was coming, but for them to first reveal it in the closing moments of this crossover, it was pretty cool. I thought was phenomenal. Oh, I mentioned 2011's Green Lantern. It's here. Mm -hmm. I can't believe they've had the balls. To remind people that this movie happened. happened and is a thing. And it was such a horror, horrendous shit sandwich of a movie. Earth 12, that's a designated number for this one. Yeah. I mean, in Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds is taking shots at oh, Green yeah. Lantern. In a promo for his new movie, Free Guy, him and Taika Wahiti, who starred alongside each other in Green Lantern, are taking shots at this movie. But DC have gone, here it is. Here and it I is. love the fact that Belanti and Guggenheim worked on that movie. And then they've had so much success with DC TV on the CW. They, they took it. They're that just point. owning it. They're going, yep, here it is. Here it is. This is our ugly, this is our ugly child. This is the ugly duckling of the litter. Earth 9, home of DC Universe's Titans, which was renewed for a third season last year. Thoroughly mm -hmm. enjoying that show. Enjoyed the first season. And then the second season just knocked it out of the park. Mm -hmm. That is a solid show. But now we get to something really interesting because they can't, They did a backdoor pilot for Doom Patrol in the first season of Titans. Yeah, to see them in, in the crossover was interesting. But then when we got the Doom Patrol TV series, 
they recast pretty much everybody apart from a couple. And it's like, oh, that's kind of odd, but okay, I get it. But what we find out in part five of Crisis is that those two shows take place on different Earths. We've got Titans on Earth 9 and Doom Patrol on Earth 21. Interesting. Very. But just the fact they're just dancing around, dicking about, smacking each other's asses, funny. I liked it. Yeah, that was cool. It's a fun, wacky show, and they were able to bottle that and put it in like a minute and a half with this brief camera. I've got it on my Foxtel drive, and I watched the pilot, but I haven't seen anything beyond it. They're all lined up, ready to go. I just have not around to watch them all. But I'm going to have to. Definitely worth your time. Mm. Oh, we also get a glimpse at the short-lived Swamp Thing. Yes, we do see a picture of him. Very brief. That ended up just being one season, and it was fine. Mm. It was fine. And for me personally, only fine. It was it was okay. The last thing we see, Earth ninety six, Brandon Routh's Man of Steel, from Superman Returns, lives. Amazing. We got the look, smile at the camera, yeah. flying in space, just like Christopher Reeve at the end of Returns, but we get it again here. I would have loved to have seen Henry Cavill reprise his role as Superman for this. I would like to see Cavill again in the movies, but I'm glad that he's not here. You've already got a lot going on. I know, but it would just, just be cool. It would be. It would be interesting That's all. to Nothing have seen less. it. You know, there's no substance to what I've just said. I'm just saying it, it, it would be cool. But for me, Brandon Ralph, his Superman was the hero of the piece. I was sad to see him go when Lex took over, but to find that he's still here at the end. But the little fanboy in you was jumping for joy. I just... I can't think of a better way for them to end Crisis than have Brandon Ralph as Superman look right at you, smile, and fly. Yeah, incredible. Just, nice incredible. Oh, with the John Williams theme again. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Absolutely. And that was Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, what, uh, one other thing, Crisis Aftermath. Did you see this at all? No. I watched it online. It is an after show that aired after the Supergirl and uh, Flash Was it episode. like a Talking Heads kind of panel show? Yes, and it was just, again, just two episodes. It was an in-depth look, like exploring some of the things and elements in the crossover. Uh, it was hosted by Kevin Smith. Oh, hey, there you go. So that's why I tuned... Um, if I, I was going to say I tuned in for Kevin Smith, but I'd have watched it anyway. Oh, yeah. Anything DC, CW, I'm there. Yeah, me too. But Kevin Smith, come on. But that was fun. Like, when they first announced it, I thought... It, it was going to be like after each part. So we were mm. going to get five of these, but it ended up no. just being two episodes. Well, that's cool. It was cool. So what do you think's next? Well, I think it's next. They've gone that's, that's bigger, hard to say. bigger and bigger with that's these crossovers. They really, obviously they're expanding the CW-verse and it's, it's ballooning into other, as we've seen, it's ballooning into other iterations of the DC universe. Oh, and what we were saying before about how, you know, it's just Earth Prime now. Hmm. So Black Lightning, originally it was on a completely separate Earth and Supergirl, and everyone is on the same Earth, yeah. which means where his adventures take place, Freeland, is now a part of Earth Prime, where yeah. previously it wasn't. Oh, it was just a good way for them to clean house. and just yeah, it was. Reset. Yeah. Yeah. It was hitting the reset button. I think that's, you could basically sum up this crisis part, um, you know, like crossover by saying that they just did a hard reset. They just hit the reset button. And allow them, like you said, a clean house and just re-establish a few things. I thought the multiverse was gone. So it was sad to see Smallville die and Superman Returns die. Like all these franchises, but all these series and films. 
But I like the fact that, you know, I mentioned that on the show, as far as they're concerned, there is no multiverse. No. So they're able to have the cake and eat it. It's yeah. gone, but it's not really gone for us. So I like which, that. Which is a catch-22, really. It's kind of like a, you know, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone, but it's not. And it's gone for them, not gone for us. And I'm more than happy with that. Yeah. Because I was struggling with the fact that Lois and Clark from Smallville had just been killed and their children. Yeah. But as it turns out, but the simplicity fine. of that statement is just kind of, I don't know, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. But next year, I've got a feeling they're going to go smaller. You can't go bigger than Crisis. I reckon mm. they're going to pull it back. They're not going to bring all the shows together. So you're going to bring it back in. Smaller story. It's mm. what you've got to do. I, I mean, look like at they're... what Marvel Studios have done. Like they gave us Avengers Endgame and then yep. kind of like an epilogue. We've got Spider-Man Far From Home, mm. which is tying up some which... things from Endgame. Yeah. And then they're coming back, the start of a new phase with Black Widow, which is going to be a smaller movie. And I think that's what the next crossover needs to be. I was just going to say, you, you segued into it perfectly, but it just it almost feels like the the writers, uh, you know, Belanti and co., um, Guggenheim and co., uh, are just looking at the Marvel Universe going, okay, you know, how can we structure our shows like this? So how can, what can we learn from what Marvel's doing? And how can we apply that thinking to our universe? Yeah, and, you know, that it's could almost, be saying, that's, yeah. I mean, I, th- I thought that at times throughout crossover, throughout crisis, there's even that scene where they're they're at that center point of time. They're all stuck there, and you know, and you say that they're stuck there, and and, and uh, everything's aging around them while they're there. It felt like almost like that scene in Guardians where they they go to nowhere. Yeah, that's right. And they're in that nexus point. It's I almost, just think when it comes to Marvel and DC, like both it's so ways, interchangeable. Yeah. yeah, it's so easy to make comparisons. Yeah. I remember how cheeky it was of Legends of Tomorrow, how they had. Ray Palmer, the atom, yes. go giant. And then he said before something Captain about... America Civil War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said something, there's a reference to possible trademark issues or infringement right, issues. Right, that's it. And they're talking about the microverse. But, you know, I've always said about these CWDC so shows that I don't necessarily enjoy all the <laughs> romance and some mm. of the in-house fighting and yeah. dramas. But you've just, you've got to have that to get your superheroics. I yeah. just feel... Like, for the last eight years, starting with Arrow, they've really rewarded me personally as a fan. Because they're growing I'm just yeah. looking forward to what's come, what happens what's to come. next. Absolutely. It's one of those things where, like, I love both publishing houses. I grew up a Marvel kid, but I grew to love DC as well. And now, and, and I've steadily loved both publishing houses for a long time and collect both, both comics from both publishing houses. But you can kind of look at it from a fan. You can step back and look at it all and say, well, it's so interchangeable. You could say, you know, oh, this character is obviously meant to be their take on that character from the other company. You know oh, what I mean? Always. Like, yeah. you've got Green Arrow at DC. You've got yeah, Hawkeye. Exactly, exactly. Marvel. So it's so chop and change. And you can kind of step back and just laugh at the absurdity at all. But we're fans and we love it. So Aquaman, Namor. You yeah. could just... You, you could, you really could. You on can, and on that's and on. what I mean. You can, you can do that. You can find a comparison. Absolutely, and that's that's my point. But we we do it from a place of love. We do it from a place of respect and reverence for the for for, for the genre and for comics because that's that's what we love. We've said many times on this podcast before. You can like both. It's okay. Yeah. You don't have to there's pick no sides. There's no hard divisions. Do not there have to not, pick sides. Yeah. There's need not. There need not be a, a war or like you say to pick sides. Agreed. So if you're going to rate this crossover. Out of five. It's coming in close to five. But I'm going to go with around about four, I think. I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to give it five. Loved okay. it. 
Loved every minute of this crossover. I mean, if, if I'm honest, maybe the disappointment of not seeing Dean Kane return as Clark and Superman yeah. could bring it down, but no. no. no maybe no in future, maybe in future. Maybe he'll pop up in the Superman and Lois TV series. Yeah, I have no still major qualms. I've hope. I just thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really I really, really did. It just it delivered so much more than well I could have thought I mean it's just insane the mm. characters that were brought into this cameo some actors that we've seen in previous DC TV shows and films. I had a, a thoroughly good time. I've watched it start to finish twice and I will I'll watch it again. I loved it. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree that it was good. Um, I have no major qualms, but I, I thought it was great. Um, there was certainly nothing negative to say about it. So I'll, I'll, go, I'll go four out of five. I, I thought it was solid entertainment, and it was nice that they paid lip service to a lot of fans uh, with lots of cameos, lots of little winks and nods, Easter eggs, shout-outs. And you can definitely tell what they, they've looked at what Marvel have done and gone, you know, how can we apply that style of thinking? And I think it really shows with the production quality and it really shows with everything they've packed into it. Um, I think they're on pretty equal footing, you know, I know there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like negative talk out there swirl around on the internet, but the, the internet's just exactly that, you know? So if you ignore all that, all that noise and you can, you can love it just for what it is and I'm cool with it. But the idea of comparing DC TV to Marvel films, films I mean, is the ridiculous. difference in budget is, yeah, he's just, so far apart. And yeah, I th- and I don't get people who do, you know. And I love what they're able to do with the budget that they have. And yeah. I thought that For you TV, know, visually, you know. yeah, even you look at the fight sequences on the Arrow TV show, like a lot of them are cinematic. Mm. Like some of the close quarter fight scenes yeah, in Arrow are very reminiscent of something like John Wick. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see the influences there, you know. So... And even like with like Hong Kong cinema and stuff like that, with some of the fight choreograph- chore- choreography, you know. So I mean, it's it's great, it's thoroughly good entertainment. So yeah, no beef or no qualms with the, with the Crisis. I thought it was cool, and I loved all the the little fan moments and all the cameos. And I'm sure whatever crossover they do next, we'll be back here to talk yeah, about it. It's a question of where do they go from here? How can they go bigger and better from here? Well, like I said, I think they're, they're going to go smaller. Go smaller. They're going to pull it back. Hmm. But wait and see. That's it for our episode all about Crisis on Infinite Earths. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, never a chore. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.